Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, July 20th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. You sounded unsure of that at first for a second, James. Well, you said July 20th, and I was like, no, it can't be July 20th, but it is. It's July 20th. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Well, that means that tomorrow's episode, James, Friday, July 21st, my brother's birthday, even though he's currently in Nicaragua. But anyway, um, tomorrow's episode will be delayed a little bit because I'm going to the screening of Angels in America Millennium Approaches uh, that is being screened nationwide through NT Live. So we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check out where it is playing via Fathom events in your area. So we'll record on Friday morning, James, um, and then that'll get out. 738 o'clock is usually when we're able to get those episodes out uh, when we record in the morning. So I'm looking forward to this. I, it's three hours and 40 minutes. So plan appropriately. Make sure you bring snacks and or buy snacks, I guess, or, you know, any medication you have to take or something because you're going to be in there for a while. But I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen Angels in America, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. So are you is this in one of those theaters that has the really comfy reclining seats? Um, you know, I haven't decided which theater that I'm going to go to. There's two. Um, it is playing at downtown Disney or Disney Springs, they call it. But the problem is that um, it's Disney in the middle of summer. And so I'm not 100 percent sure if I want to brave that, even though it is the closest theater to where I live. So I'm not 100 percent sure if I'm going to go there yet. But uh, they're all comfy at this point. If you go to a modern movie theater, everything's comfortable, you know. When is Broadway going to get those massive cool seats? No, you know, maybe the not, nine hundred ninety nine dollar <laughs> Hamilton seat. Could they get that? No, no chance. Popcorn no chance delivery? because no, because well, popcorn delivery maybe, but not the big seats because then they would have to take out the current seats that they have. They'd have to then put in those larger seats to make them comfortable. Then that would limit the number of seats they could fit in there. And even if they jack up the price it probably won't cover enough of the opportunity cost that they lost by removing some of those seats so i'm going to say until they build new theaters completely from scratch never hey did uh, we haven't talked about this did you uh, do you follow jordan roth on instagram Yes, I do. And it, I, I, I know I can't believe you haven't talked about it. Speaking of renovations, we are completely yeah. off script. I've got another story I want to talk about before we even get to the news. But yes, Jordan Ross Instagram stories. Um, he's been chronicling the renovations inside the glorious St. James Theater. All the seats are out. Everything's gone. Yeah. The carpet, the carpet was delivered today. <laughs> he said new <laughs> carpet, same as the old carpet or something like that. So it's the same. It, it's yeah. going to look the same. <laughs> But it's new. Uh, But it's been really, really cool to see um, um, what it looks like without the seats in, without the carpet in. Um, Greg Hildreth, who is playing Olaf in Frozen, um, he apparently went over to the St. James today and, and, you know, took a picture of it with nothing in there, said, you know, my new home away from home or something like that. But it was really cool that um, that that Jordan is allowing all of the fans to kind of see a little sneak peek of the inside of that process, because it doesn't happen all that often when Broadway theaters get major renovations like that. So it's very cool to be able to see it. Yeah, the, the whole behind the scenes thing is cool. And you never really get to see the St. James without any seats in it. And I, oh, I know. Uh, if you get a chance, put the link to Jordan's Instagram in there. OK, uh, the, so. the thing. Yeah. One thing to remember with Instagram stories is that they do go away. So you just need to make sure that you are following him and then 
check on his story um, regularly so they don't go away. And remember, Instagram stories are only visible via mobile device, either phone or tablet. They are not visible from desktop. So keep that in mind. Okay, James, have you heard about this new Scott Rudin viral, pun intended, marketing ploy campaign that he's doing? Uh, No. Okay. well, apparently he's going to be handing out barf bags at 1984 because Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence puked in the middle of Monday's performance. Uh, Apparently it wasn't because of the torture scene that is allegedly caused people to pass out at 1984. In fact, it was because she had a stomach bug that she'd gotten from her young nephew. But nonetheless, I'm sure that even if I'm joking about barf bags, Rudin would never let a few facts get in the way of selling a few more tickets or merchandise or something. So watch out over there at the Hudson. You never know what kind of, you know, swag and merch you'll be able to purchase uh, from 1984. The truth is out there. Oh, wait, that's X-Files or something. But who knows? Maybe maybe barf bags are next. I'm down with that. I hear at the uh, Monday morning production meetings for 1984, they use the barf bags to review the grosses. Oh, that is so bad, but it is so good. That was I, I'm. <laughs> I'm proud of you, James. Well done. <laughs> Not even a dad joke. All right. <laughs> no, that was a legit joke. That was that was good. <laughs> All right. First up in the news, Mayor de Blasio ties diversity to arts funding. Yeah, James, yesterday it was announced that in Mayor Bill de Blasio's first cultural plan for New York, that the city would be tying funding for museums and arts organizations to the diversity of their employees and board members. The mayor and his office did not put a timetable or specific diversity targets in place, but instead said that they would be asking every arts organization to submit a plan for, quote, meaningful goals towards making their staffs and boards more diverse. James, as you know, many people who sit on the boards of arts organizations are pretty wealthy. They're business executives and Wall Street types and Those types of positions tend to skew towards the pale and Y-chromosomed portions of society. Uh, So I think at least from the board positions, that might be a little bit more difficult to push a boulder up a hill and and add some diversity. The staff might be a little easier, um, but who knows? The mayor said, quote, this will be a factor in funding decisions by the city going forward. We do this because we believe in fairness. James, there's a story in the New York Times that has further details about the plan with quotes from the mayor and the and other administrators, which we will link to in the show notes. But at this point, the city doesn't really have or at least hasn't released a definitive plan as to how this will work. Um, so it's really all in the very early beginning stage. Oh, and um, just a a word of advice. Don't read the comments on that article in The New York Times. Just consider yourself warned. Um, Some observers are a little bit concerned that this could eventually lead to the shuttering of arts organizations that rely heavily on city funding if they do not keep up with the diversity demands that the mayor is putting forth. Uh, James, I know – I know nothing more than what's in that Times article. But to me, this sounds very familiar to a certain set of NCAA legislation. The NCAA does not have specific policies as to punishments for student athletes who test positive for illegal drugs, marijuana, whatever it is. However, if a school has a formal policy and then the school does not properly enforce that policy, the NCAA steps in and reprimands the college or university can, you know, issue bowl or postseason bans or scholarship reductions, whatever it is. While this is obviously not an apples to apples comparison, from what we know so far, it sounds to me like what the mayor's office is asking for is for arts orgs to submit honest, 
thoughtful, constructive plans. And if they are able to show legitimate progress towards the goals in those plans, there shouldn't be a problem. I could be completely misreading this or it could be changed along the line. But to me, that's what what we know of de Blasio's statements and plans sounds like to me. You know this uh, term, I might get it a little bit wrong, you know, water finds the cracks in the sidewalks? Mm, yes, I'm familiar. So I feel like this is what's going to happen with these arts organizations as well, is that, uh, you know, Certainly, arts organizations, just like any other organizations, go through these cycles of uh, growing and birth and death and things like that. And certainly, um, there will be some organizations that cease to exist, and they'll blame it on this, but other organizations will sprout up and and be born and grow into into this. So uh, I think that this is what leadership is. It's an unpopular stance and it's a way in which to, uh, you know, you know, Brown v. Uh, Board of Education was not a popular thing to do, mm -hmm. but they did it and it really helped. So uh, I, I think that you know, the only way for us to look at this is in a 50, 50 year retrospect, um, 50 years from now. Uh, but I think that this is a good first step. Yeah, it's it's definitely a proactive stance that I don't think many people would take. But I think ultimately, um, the the lower the percentage of guys that look like you and me, James, that are running arts organizations means the better the art actually will end up being. So uh, with tomorrow are uh, going to be a report on the Tony Kushner Angels in America, we maybe should talk about Tony Kushner's next play. What do you – fill us in on this. OK. First, I don't know if it's his next play because apparently he's currently working on five movies <laughs> and like four plays. So he says he's got to get busy. But yesterday, The Daily Beast's Tim Tiemann released a long, in-depth article detailing his recent interview with playwright Tony Kushner. There are a lot of interesting things in this piece, but the two biggest are Kushner's first comments about the play that he is planning to write about Donald Trump and then remaking West Side Story with Steven Spielberg. First to the Trump stuff. In the piece, Kushner says that he will try to write Trump as as much of a direct character as possible, not portraying him as a vague, symbolic boogeyman. He goes on to say, quote, he's the kind of person as a writer I tend to avoid as I think he is borderline psychotic. Not mentioning any words there, Mr. Kushner. He goes on to compare and contrast Trump with his real-life former lawyer Roy Cohn, who is a central character in Angels in America, and says that the play will be set two years into Trump's presidency and hopes to get it done as quickly as possible, even though he isn't writing uh, quite as swiftly as he used to. However, he doesn't feel a lot of pressure to get it done during Trump's well, first term or only term, whatever the case may be. Kushner said, quote, yeah, I actually thought I wonder if Trump will actually make it to two years, but I didn't want to put that in there to upset any listeners. Anyway, Kushner said, quote, I don't feel like I have to get something done while he's still in office. I gambled with angels, which is set in the Reagan era, but which I felt would be historically significant 30, 40, 50 years later because something really fundamental had shifted under Reagan. The same thing is true with Trump. Uh, James, he goes on to talk more about the 
I don't know what I, I'm I don't want to put words in Tony Kushner's mouth, one of the great wordsmiths of our time, but kind of the depravity and the lying and the McCarthy style tricks of Donald Trump. Um, he actually has a, a few nice things to say about Roy Cohn, which was kind of odd. Um, but the one but the one funny thing in the piece, James, is that Tony makes very clear that he has absolutely no relation to Trump's son-in-law, Jared, who will be testifying in front of the Senate Intel Committee on Monday, by the by. Um, <laughs> so moving from the politics stuff to West Side Story, um, we didn't talk a lot about the the upcoming remake movie of, of West Side Story with Steven Spielberg, but he did say that he is in no way changing the story the setting or the time period. It'll still be on the Upper West Side in the 50s. Instead, he will be, quote, exploring the story, whatever that means. Um, I know there had been some concern about those things when the project was first announced. Maybe it would be modernized. Um, so I'm glad to hear that it will be set in the original setting and time space. He also calls the score, which is not being changed at all, the greatest of all time. And then, James, I mentioned at the top of the story that he's got like four movies and three other plays that he's working on. But the thing that was the most exciting to me Apparently, he is currently at work on a musical about the death of Eugene O'Neill with his Carolina Change co-writer Janine Tesori, which all of a sudden sounds like the best idea in the world and the absolute best team to tackle that topic. So I hope that they get that done soon and get it up to the Vassar Powerhouse season ASAP because, you know, that's where everything great goes now. And then it'll end up in New York sooner rather than later. Uh, all of this sounds so great. I'm sorry, I laughed before when you were talking about Roy Cohn. Um, I didn't see what Tony Kushner said, and I was like thinking to myself, what could Tony Kushner have said nice about Roy Cohn? And then I thought to myself, you know, next to Donald Trump, Roy Cohn doesn't seem like that much of an asshole. <laughs> no, no, that's not what he said. He, he said that um, <laughs> that Roy Cohn did have... Um, a very consistent loyalty to the people that he knew and cared about, and that for decades he would stay loyal to people um, that were close to him, something that apparently Kushner does not believe Trump has the ability to do. He also talks about how the fact when Roy Cohn died, the Nation uh, newspaper um, published an obituary that was uh, what Kushner considered to be homophobic um, about, about him and linked gay men with fascism, and, and Kushner – had to find himself defending Roy Cohn at that time because of how absurd and out of bounds that obituary was. So, you know, uh, theater, this is going to sound worse than it is considering the topic, but, um, theater and art make strange bedfellows. And sometimes it, you know, seeing horrible people on stage can give you the slightest bit of, of empathy for, for who they are. And if Tony Kushner can find empathy with Roy Cohen, I think that's a lesson uh, that all of us need to learn in one way or another. Well, the next mixture of politics and art comes in our story that the NEA awards grants uh, 50,000, 50,000 to the American Theater si Award? No, 60,000. 60, 60, yeah. The, yesterday, the National Endowment for the Arts announced that they would be awarding the American Theater Ring with two separate Artworks Awards. Um, they are grants totaling $60,000. They'll be giving those to the American Theater Wing. The first will be for $35,000, specifically earmarked for the Wing's Springboard NYC program and the Theater Intern Network. The Springboard NYC program is for uh, college age interns, maybe 
current college students and maybe recent grads who get internships and theater organizations in New York and they bring them together and give them some training and, and some bonding and some networking things. And it's a really good program that's going on for a long time. The other $25,000 will go towards the production of the Wings docu-series, Working in the Theater, which is great and has been around for a long time. You can get it on iTunes and I think probably on their website and YouTube as well. Um, James, I am glad to see that A, the NEA still has money to distribute and B, that the Wings which does such great work in so many areas of the theater is the beneficiary of that money distribution. Um, tangentially, James, did I ever tell you that the first time I ever subscribed to a podcast or to be quite honest, ever heard of a podcast was through the wing? Was it Howard Sherman's podcast? It, it was downstage center. The first thing I ever heard. And I, I heard about it because it was also broadcast on was it just XM at the time? It was probably just XM at the time. Um, and then I, you know, we talked about a podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was. I looked it up and then I subscribed. And uh, I, I know that that podcast also um, inspired Patrick Hines to start theater people after it went away. Now, James did this week on Broadway. I'm guessing they started around the same time, but I, I would guess downstage center maybe started a, a little earlier. Didn't it? I don't really no, uh, who was first? But I would think that they were first for yeah, I'm, on the theater on the uh, on the theater podcast. I mean, Broadway yeah. Bullet. I think Broadway Bullet. I think was the very first theater podcast. I'm not positive about that. And gotcha. then I think Downstage Center. Uh, and at that point, I was I was doing some podcasts that were unrelated to theater. I was mm. doing uh, that Guitar Man from Central Park podcast and uh, the Awesome Show and the Awesome Podcast, uh, uh, things like that. Back in those days, uh, we were very, very early on um, uh, what was uh, Pod Show, uh, Adam Curry's Pod Show. We we were producing podcasts for that at that point. I had no idea. Yeah, learn yeah. something new every day and then, about and something then, you talk to. As I was doing that, you know, Matthew Murray, my good buddy from uh, the former uh, all that chief theater all that chat, yeah. chief theater critic over Talking Broadway, uh, I was doing these other podcasts, and he said, "You know, we should really do a Broadway podcast." And then uh, that's when the first this week on Broadway happened, all because of Matthew Murray. Thank you, Matthew Murray. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew Murray. Or 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 darn you, Matthew Murray, depending on what day it <laughs> there's, is. There's that too. <laughs> All right. So uh in a new newish newbie type of uh thing that has come to the Broadway um community, Broadway Con is asking for program proposals. Yeah, James, yesterday Broadway Con announced that as they are planning the panels and events for January's third annual convention, that they would be going the good old Ken Davenport direction in crowdsourcing some of their programs. The convention is now accepting submissions through September 15th at broadwaycon.com slash submission. If you can't remember that, it's a really hard URL. I know we'll have it in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Um, they will make their final decisions on which ones will be included by mid-October. However, they say that Applications or submissions will be reviewed on a rolling basis so that the earlier you submit, the better your chances are. Not only will be present, not only will presenters that are selected, you know, get to present their program, but they will also receive a complimentary day pass for the day of their program. All right, James. So uh, what panel ideas are you going to submit? Hey, how about we do a uh, this week on Broadway at Broadway Con? 
I have the link in the show notes. You can figure out how to submit it from there. I got to click first, right? <laughs> yes. I thought I was thinking maybe we'd have a career retrospective on Kelly O'Hara or Lena Hall or something like that. But I think a live this week on Broadway with, you know, you and Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, I think that's probably a better a better option. Yeah. Yeah, I tend not to advertise those things because it's easier to enforce anyway. Um <laughs> Nikki M. James and Cass previews the bubbly back black girl sheds her chameleon skin. Yeah, they uh, they had the press day for the off center production of Bubbly Black Girl Sheds Her Chameleon Skin today, and I got to tell you, James, this is not a show that I know a ton about. Um, this is a a musical from Kirsten Childs that came out in two thousand, and it follows a young African American dancer from the West Coast suburbia to Broadway. And this number that they did um, at the preview, and of course we'll have the link in the show notes, James. It is so good and so much fun. I like. I have to go and start looking for other videos or if there's a cast recording. I don't even know if there's an original cast recording or not. But it is so much fun. I loved this, and I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, I knew – I love Nikki M. James. She's fantastic. Um, but I don't really know anything about this. And that's actually one of the things in the video that I'll link to from Broadway World that my Broadway World colleague Richie Ridge asks her about and they talk about is that – What's so cool about doing this, especially through Off Center, is that this is something that is fairly new, still really contemporary in terms of its style, but not something that a lot of people hear. So to be able to do this and to um, you know be able to share it is something really special for for Nikki and, and the creative team as well, who Richie talked to. So um, I love this. So I I know I kind of butchered the cast announcements of this yesterday, but. If you have a chance, just based on this video, if you have a chance to go see this from July 26th and 27th, check this one out. I, I was very impressed. So, uh, yes, I think it was yesterday, the day before, we talked about has anything transferred from uh, off uh, mm, yeah, yeah. off center uh, to Broadway. If anything is going to, I think that, you know, we should really keep our eyes on this one. Mm. All right. Why don't you if get us out of here? If not a transfer, James, I at least want a cast album with 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 Nikki doing this because that would be really cool. I, she killed it in this video. But all right, I'll get us out of here. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at BWBMatt. And subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. As Matt mentioned, we're going to come back a little bit late on Friday morning. So check your feed about 8 a.m. And we'll talk to you then. 